Hallelujah. Let's just pray as we open our hearts to receive the word this morning. Jesus, we just want to open our heart to you today. Lord, we're asking that you would come and that you would speak to us um, today out of the fullness of your word and truth, Lord Jesus, that which is in your heart for this congregation at this time. Lord, this has been a year of return for us as you have spoken that over this congregation. And Lord, in that context, God, We want to return to your heart of hearts today. So Lord, we welcome you today to come and to speak to us. You who are the living eternal word, come and speak your specific word to our hearts and lives today. We welcome you. We open ourselves to you. We receive you. We receive your word. And we ask these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning, we are going to begin a brand new sermon series entitled The Tender Commandments, Expressions of the Father's Love. And Pastor Sam and I felt very directed to step into this particular series, and he'll be preaching this at Minneapolis as well, and just always encourage you because God gives us you know, different perspectives, even on a particular word. You can always go to our website and look up and find and and listen to both and just kind of hear some broader perspective on what the Lord has to speak to us. But we we were very clear in in our heart in in a strong sense that this was something that the Lord specifically wanted to bring as a word to this house at this time as we complete Uh, come towards the conclusion of this year of return. That return that the Lord has, and you can look in your scripture and and read in Jeremiah 30 to 33, and you get a, a broader context of what the Lord is speaking to us in this year of return. But that return is the Lord bringing us and returning us to his heart. And the Lord also is returning to our hearts and drawing out from us all that is in his heart for us. And I don't know about you, but when you think about the Ten Commandments, let me just, let me just ask you this question. What, what is some of the first things that come to mind? What's kind of, what, is the, what do the Ten Commandments evoke in you, even just at, a, at an emotional level, kind of in your soul? What, what kind of response do you have when you hear the Ten Commandments? What do you visualize in your mind? What do you picture? Perhaps for some of you that grew up in a certain generation, you picture, you know, Charlton Heston coming down from the mountain, you know, with the two tablets in his arms. The great picture and the the fire and the blaze and, you know, the wind and, you know, that whole Hollywood presentation of the Ten Commandments. I'm going to tell you what I think many of us sort of instinctively experience when we hear the Ten Commandments. We think of them in terms of this set of rules and regulations that are designed 
in some way to restrict us. I think if we're really honest and we scratch away at the surface of our heart, many times we kind of think of the Ten Commandments as an expression of God's sort of capricious will that, that he's ready, that the, the things that he's holding sort of over our head, ready to play gotcha if we somehow stray over the line from one of those commandments that he's given to us. Perhaps we think of them as God's expression and, and somehow his character of being in some way a killjoy. I don't know if you've ever experienced any of those emotions around the Ten Commandments, but what I'd like to attempt to do this morning before we come to the table together is reframe your and my understanding of the Ten Commandments. What I'd like to reframe this as and help us to begin to understand that these truly are expressions of the Father's love. And that they are, in fact, tender commandments. And so this morning, we're going to specifically look at the tender commandments and receiving the Father's love letter. Now, I want to tell you something to kind of help you reframe this, even just begin to, in your thinking, and just to begin to kind of reframe in your soul how you understand this. When I go traveling, which I often do, and I've been in many, many, many places in the world over the last several years, my wife has started to do something which is an incredible blessing to her husband. So wives, you can all listen in on this, but, and husbands. But what my wife does for me is sometime in the days leading up to my leaving, she begins to write notes. She just writes notes, and then she puts them in envelopes. And on the envelope, she puts day one, day three, Day six, day seven, day nine, however long, you know, whatever. So she, she puts these notes, and then she tucks them into my suitcase. And so when I'm out traveling, and I'm in a foreign place to me, a place perhaps that I've never been before, everything is disorienting around me, and I'm trying to adapt to time changes and culture changes and food changes and sleep changes and and location, you know, all of those kinds of things, I can pull out in my suitcase on day one a letter from my wife. Isn't that sweet? Young men, I always want to remind you, One of your greatest gifts will be marry well. Marry well. I married well. I married way up, okay? But my wife does this for me, and 
what it immediately does is it sort of takes something inside of me, reorients it, and just sort of settles it back in my spirit. Here's what I want you to hear and see this morning. Is that God loved us so much that he took the time and the effort to take and write a love letter to us with his finger on to stone to permanently speak to us as his children, his heart for us. Oh, there we are. Sorry about that. The Ten Commandments, receiving the Father's love. The Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. And I'm not going to take time this morning to read all of them because we'll be reading them over the next several weeks. But let me just take and encapsulate what those tender commandments are. First of all, there are tender commandments. There are four of those commandments that are related towards our relationship with God. That we would have no other gods, that there would be no idols, that we would not take the Lord's name in vain, that we would remember the Sabbath, that we would honor our parents, that we would not murder, that we would not commit adultery, that we would not steal that we would not bear false witness, false witness, and that we do not covenant. So those are the commandments towards God, and then there are the commandments that are toward man. And it is those commandments that the Lord has given to us that are expressions of His love for us, which provide a framework for us to experience the fullness of the life that he has for us. And so what I want us to begin to grapple with, even this morning, is how do we begin to prepare our hearts to receive this love letter from the Papa's heart to us? Well, in order to do that, we need to go back to the background in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapters 1 to 19. Now I'm so grateful that Pastor Litovic did that this morning and led us in reading through in 1 Chronicles. That was powerful and something that, that is a part of what we're doing with Saturate. I'm not going to have us read the first 19 chapters of Exodus, okay? But I am going to invite you to look back over those chapters because these chapters before chapter 20 recount for us the story of God's stewardship as He led the people of Israel out from their slavery in Egypt into what at that point was towards the promised land, but as they were led into the wilderness. 
And in Acts, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 19, we're going to begin there. So if you have your Bible turned, if you don't have a Bible, pull it out from the pew in front of you. Turn to Exodus chapter 19. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. I just want to pause there for just a moment. I was reading that and it was just like one of these moments where I just recognized and want to remind us again that what we're reading here is not, you know, this is what sets the Bible apart from other kinds of, quote, sacred texts that are out there. Lots of sacred texts are really sort of philosophical musings that that men and women have had. But when we come to the Word of God, we are coming to a Word that is rooted in historical reality. We're not talking about a series of imaginary stories that somebody made up in their head. We're talking about historical fact. Events that actually happened with actual human beings just like you and me. So it says in the third month of the, after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day, I'm not sure why that needed to be emphasized, but it needed to be emphasized for the people of Israel needed to realize on that very day, They came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Verse 3, and here is kind of the heart of our text that we're going to be looking at this morning. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. This is powerful, people. Because this is the background to the Ten Commandments. Here is what God is saying to the people of Israel. He's saying, here's my heart towards you. Don't you remember what I have done for you? Don't you know who I am and how absolutely relentlessly in love I am with you? You are my treasured possession. You are the apple of my eye. You are the one that I love and adore. And I have carried you as with eagle's wings. I have carried you. The picture here is that of being lifted up on eagles' wings. A couple weekends ago, Annette and and Noah, Claire was on the youth retreat, we had the 
opportunity to go up to my brother and his wife have a cabin up on Cranberry Lake up in uh, northern Wisconsin. And uh, it's a beautiful setting, and we're out there just uh, on the water or on the, on the dock, and you can look up and you can just watch eagles soaring around. If you watch carefully, you can see where they build their nests, usually up in the, the very top of the trees. And an eagle's nest is a very interesting thing. When an eagle builds a nest, they build a nest, people. The largest nest, eagle's nest ever recorded, typically they're about eight feet wide and and deep and whatever. The biggest ever found was nine and a half feet wide, 20 feet deep, and weighed three tons. Mama built a really good house, all right? And just think for a moment of those eaglets down in the down and in the, you know, down in the bottom. Can you imagine eight foot wide? You could put, you know, we could put some children's church kids down in the bottom of the nest, all right? Maybe we'd like to. No. Um, Down in the very bottom of that nest. Mama comes along and feeds and there's the protective wings covering whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. How about it, people? This is the love of God extended to you and to me for His people. He puts his wings over that nest. And there ain't nothing and no one that is going to be able to mess with mama's babies. Except for, guess who gets to mess with mama's babies? Mama. Because one day, Mama decides that it's time for little Eaglet to begin to learn to fly. And so she takes her little Eaglet out of the nest, grabs him by the, I don't know, scruff of the, however that works with an Eaglet. I don't know how that works. Scruff of the neck, I guess. Takes little Eaglet out of the nest, Soars up to how many ever thousand feet she goes and drops him. Now imagine what's going through Eaglet's heart at that moment. And Eaglet's little mind. Ah! You know? 
And all of the scenes of his brief life flash before his eyes. What's this about? And down and down and down and down and down, little eaglet drops. And just when you're about to say this is going to have a really bad ending, Mama swoops down, comes right under the eaglet, catches him on her back, soars back up. And the eaglet goes, put me back in the nest, Mama. (laughs) And Mama does. And he goes, all is right with the world again. But then the next day, Mama comes again. Little Eaglet says, tries to bury down under, take my brother. <laughs> Get my sister, please. But Mama comes and takes, drops again. See, that's part of the eagle. And that's part of the picture of him carrying us on his wings. It isn't only in the safety and comfort and coziness of the nest, but it's also out there on the wind currents and the streams and, the, and, the, and, and all of the forces tumbling around. It's also in the midst of all of that life. And God is telling Moses, remind the people that I have carried them. First of all, I have cared for them. I have nurtured them in my nest. I carried them until they were a great people in Egypt. But then I heard their cries. And I took them out of the nest. And I dropped them. But don't you, don't you forget, people of Israel, that when you were in oppression and you were crying out to me, that I came and I took you out and I rescued you. Don't forget... That when you came to the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's armies were behind you and the sea was before you, that it was I who opened up the sea before you. Don't forget that when you were walking through the wilderness and you had nothing to drink and nothing to eat and you didn't know where your next nourishment was going to come from, that I made water come out of a rock, that I made manna there appear for you to feed you and sustain you. been with you every step of the way. I have been with you to lift you up on eagle's wings. But what's the purpose behind this? Why? Why then are we given these tender commandments? Why has God who rescued us, took us out, took us out and has continued to lead us as an eagle mother with her eaglets. Why has he established these tender commandments? So what is the purpose now? In Exodus 20, I've done all of these things for you. And now I'm going to give you this love letter written with my own finger on stone. What is the purpose for which I give you these tender commandments. The first 
purpose is to remove confusion. To remove confusion. Right from the very beginning, the enemy of our souls has sought to sow confusion in our hearts. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells us that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Listen to that, underline that. Because that's what the enemy will continually... Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You'll not. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Did God really say, you're not really going to? Here's the strategy of the enemy. Confusing and saying right is wrong and wrong is right. Black is white and white is black. I recently read a story about the pro golfer Chichi Rodriguez. That's before most of your time, but some of you will have remembered and heard of Chichi Rodriguez. He was driving down the road one day with a friend of his, and suddenly as he was driving, he was, he was going just a little bit over the speed limit, and uh, a lot of bit over the speed limit, and he was driving along, and, the, and, the, and the, the traffic light in front of him was turning from yellow to red, and he just kept going and blew right through the red light. The friend who was sitting with him alongside of him said, Chi-Chi, what are you doing? Trying to give me a heart attack? Didn't you see that that was a red light? You should have stopped. Chi-Chi said, my brother taught me how to drive. And my brother drives right through red lights. So they're going on a little bit further down the road, and sure enough, here comes another yellow, here comes another red. Boom! Chi-Chi blows right through that red light. Now, this, by this point, you know, his friend is about apoplectic with, ah, let me out of this car. What are you doing, Chi-Chi? Don't you know? You've got to stop at the red lights. Chi-Chi said, my brother taught me how to drive. My brother drives right through red lights. I drive through red lights. They keep going down the highway. Suddenly, the light in front of him is red, turns to green. The friend goes, and Chi-Chi slams on the brakes right before they get to the intersection. His friend says, Chi-Chi, what on earth are you doing? It's a green light. You get to go. Chi-Chi looks nervously from side to side. I'm just checking. My brother might be coming. (laughs) Confusion. Get it? If there are no guidelines... 
Watch a group of eight-year-olds play football. I mean, real football, not, not what we have here, but real football, right? Soccer, yeah, okay, yeah. Real football. Watch them play without any referee or any... Get it? All right. To escape the enemy's traps. God has given us these tender commandments to remove confusion and to help us to escape from the enemy's traps. In the Psalms, it is written, Oh, how I love your law. This is Psalm 119, the longest psalm, the longest chapter in all of the Bible. It's this incredible, um, just just incredible outpouring of adoration for the law of the Lord. And it says, oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. When we understand the tender commandments, it helps us to escape from the enemy's traps that he sets for our life. And he grants us wisdom, which is even of greater value than knowledge because it is that knowledge put into proper action. Another purpose is to spare us from sin's devastation. We know it tells us in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. You can hear the stories of sin's devastation. I listen to those stories a lot as a pastor. But I want you to know today that these tender commandments have been given to us to spare us the devastation that sin will cause in our lives. And finally, the purpose is to release us into our destiny. And that destiny is right here in Luke 9, Luke, Exodus 19. Come with me again to Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So let's take a look for a moment and understand what our destiny is. Our destiny is to be his treasured possession. What I want you to hear this morning is that we belong to Him. I sometimes get this picture of God the Father taking out His wallet. You know, God's bank, He's not in recession or anything else. And He pulls out His pictures. Or maybe nowadays, I probably, I don't don't have my phone on me. I left it, whatever. So maybe He pulls out His phone and He starts scrolling through the pictures and He says, Here are my kids. Here are my kids. Let me show you my kids. Aren't they beautiful? I love my kids. 
They're my treasured possession. They're the apple of my eye. We belong to him, people. We're a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? That means we are in service for God, and it means that we have access to God. That's a wonderful thing about being a priest. We're in service for him. We stand before God to intercede for people on behalf of God and to speak for people to people on behalf of God. We are in service to him, but in addition to that service, we have access with him. I love that. We have access to the Papa. We have access to his heart. He calls us friends. He lets us know what's going on in his heart for us and for the world around us. And we are a holy nation. We walk together in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are the marks of the kingdom, Paul tells us in Romans. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. One of the things I've discovered on my travels all over the world, and one of the things that I think we have the the benefit of discovering right here in this house, a house of prayer for all nations, is that it doesn't really matter at the most foundational and fundamental level. Your ethnicity, your race, your education, your gender, your experience, your, um, you know, your, your economic achievement, all of those things, while they have some significance, are not the most significant thing. What language we speak, what foods we like to eat, all of that is secondary to the fundamental reality that we walk together. as a holy nation with the mark of the kingdom on us, righteousness, the justice of God, the peace, the shalom of God, and the joy of His Spirit in us. That's our destiny. And the ten der commandments are intended to help release us into this destiny. That's why they've been given to us. Not to put us in chains, but to release us. The Apostle Peter picks this same picture up. In that famous scripture in 1 Peter 2, 9-12, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. There it is. Exodus 19 to 1 Peter 2. It's not just Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's now. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you've not received mercy, now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's your destiny. All right, we're going to come to the table in just a moment.
the last thing that we're going to talk about here this morning is receiving his tender commandments. Receiving his tender commandments. So here's where I want you to position your heart now for the next 10 weeks as we walk through this. Prepare yourself to hear him. Prepare yourself to hear him. In the remainder of Exodus chapter 19, Moses begins to speak to the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him, and Moses speaks to the people about preparation. Verse 14, after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Prepare yourselves. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. And Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain, and Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. I love, when I was studying this this week, I discovered this, that, that that picture there of the smoke and the mountain and the billowing up from it like the smoke from a furnace, the actual Hebrew word there is like a brick kiln. Do you remember what James spoke on last week so eloquently to us about into the fire and the kiln, the place where the pottery is put in, into the fire? The people of God are coming into the fire. We are coming together as the people of God here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. These next 10 weeks, we're coming into the fire. The furnace of His love. And that fire will purify everything that it does not destroy, and it will destroy everything that it cannot purify. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a wonderful prayer that we could pray together. Lord, search our hearts. Remove all the obstacles. That's what this summer was all about. The U-turn, removing the roadblocks to life. God taking stuff out of us that we would be prepared to hear And secondly, prepare yourself to obey him. Because you know what obey means? Obey literally means to listen and do. We not only want to hear him, but then we want to follow and submit ourselves to him and obey him and walk in obedience to his truth and word. 1 John 5, in fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. His commands are not burdensome. We get to keep them. And as we do, obey Him. We represent 
that treasured possession, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, we live out our destiny as his people. And I believe that's where God wants to take us. So I don't know about you, but I am, my heart is just full with a sense of expectation of how God will continue to speak to us now these next weeks out of his tender commandments. I'm going to ask Pastor Lidovic if you'd come to assist me at the table, and I'm going to ask our deacons, our ministry coordinators, and elders, please come. Worship team, please come. We're going to come to the table now as we close our service this morning. This will be our response to the word today. To remember and to recognize that Jesus lived this out perfectly. He was the perfect example to us of living in the fullness of his calling as the Son of God. And out of his perfection, he obeyed the Father and submitted himself to the will of God and went to the cross. We have represented up here the cross on which he died, his body broken that we may be made whole, his body which has become to us the very bread of life. The cup which represents his shed blood, his very life essence spilled out that we might experience salvation and freedom. This cup representing to us the very cup of salvation. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is what he has done for us. This is why it is possible for us even to to walk within the fabric and framework of these Ten Commandments. It is because of the grace and mercy of God. Not because of our ability or our strength, but because of his ability and his power in us. So you are invited to this table today. This is your first time here at Bethel. You are welcome at this table. The only prerequisite to coming to this table is having a relationship with the living God, which you can have starting today. Receive Him. Invite Him to be your Savior and Lord. All it is is a matter of recognizing and acknowledging your sinfulness, that you have have broken His law, which every one of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one that hasn't. All have. All have sinned. But he made a way for us to repair and restore fellowship with the Father through his sacrifice of his death. So as you acknowledge your sinfulness, you also acknowledge your need of him. You say, Jesus, I need you. Savior, Lord, come. Rescue me from myself. I need you. I surrender my life to you. I welcome you. I invite you. Come and cleanse me. Please forgive me, for I have sinned.
he will come with his grace and heal you. Restore you to life. If you would just hold the elements until all have received and then we will we will participate together and receive them together. And while the elements are passed, I would invite you to allow the Lord to search your heart. Test. Is there any anxious thoughts? Is there anything, Lord, that needs to be addressed by you? Come and speak to me now. In Jesus' name. and Lord of Lords that we are singing about to sing praises to his name because we are a chosen people that we are a royal priesthood that we are a chosen generation to bring forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and to hear pastor preach on that I, I was just God you're just burning this in our hearts today and as we were praying before communion just now I was praying that God would make that a reality in my life and the spirit spoke to me and said no proclaim it proclaim it shout it into eternity that we are a chosen generation because of the blood that he spilt on Calvary this broken body has made us a chosen generation that we are a royal priesthood we are a holy nation to sing forth the praises of him. And so I just want to encourage you today to proclaim this as truth for us because we've received Christ into our life, as Pastor said, that his blood was shed for us. And I remember Gene telling that, that we stand on the threshold of eternity and we shout his word into it as truth and it echoes back to become a reality. So I want to encourage you today that you are a chosen generation. You are his special possession. You are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation. And we stand here to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness to live in his marvelous light. Can you, can you just pray for the elements? Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you, Jesus, that you hung on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, that we could walk in the destiny and the purposes that you created us to be. We're no longer ensnared by the enemy, Lord, but we are your chosen generation. So thank you for that broken body, Lord. Thank you for the spilled blood, Father, that is our redemption. Our redemption is in your blood, Lord. We thank you for that blood, Lord Jesus. And we stand firm in it today. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just open your hands if you would, yeah. please. Mm. But Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. 
for us, for this world. And God, as was prayed earlier in this service, Jesus, we just, we just pray that you would wrap your loving arms around all those who have been wounded in heart and those who've lost loved ones and are remembering that in particular today. And God, you know that there is much strife in our world. There's much injustice. There's much despair. But God, we want to be people used of you, living out our destiny to walk together, to proclaim your justice, to proclaim your shalom, to proclaim that there is joy available in the Holy Spirit. Enable us, oh God, to walk forth now with your heart expressing your heart, your tender love through your tender commandments. Be with us. And now with open hands, I pray that you might experience afresh today the immeasurable love of God the Father, the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house sent to make disciples of all nations I pray that the favor of the Lord will be a banner over your life and that His grace and goodness will chase you down till we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home And as we gather tonight on behalf of our city, we're asking, Lord, that you would open the heavens, that you would rend the heavens and come down and speak honor into the lives of those who serve you in our city. Bless them today. May we be a blessing as a people of God. Amen. And now I dismiss you in the goodness and grace. I release you in the blessing of the Lord, our God. The blessing of the Lord in Jesus' name.